Okay, everybody, uh, pretty quick turnaround between Yontif uh, and Shabbos, so not so much time to prepare, but I definitely did want to leave everyone uh, with a couple of ideas. Hope I everybody had an amazing Yontif and, uplif and, up and uplifting Yontif, uh, and Mr. Zoha to count up towards Matan Torah, toward Maimon Arsini, to our own very personal Kabbalah Satora. Okay, so Parsha Shmini, shifting out of the Korbanos that we had in Parsha Tzav and Parsha Zvaikra, uh, we go back to the narrative that we finished in Sefer Shmos, namely uh, the end of the building of the Mishkan and the Chanukah Sa Mishkan uh, with the Korbanos and, and uh, that Aaron brings uh, and the whole procedure there to kind of set up and inaugurate the Mishkan. This is pretty much the only narrative, uh, and it's not in, at all the entire Parsha, this is pretty much the only narrative in Sefer Vayikra more or less, uh, because again, the beginning of Sefer Bamidbar, right, again, picks up where this leaves off, right, and, uh, you know, they build kind of with the uh, finishing of the of the Mishkan, um, and then obviously Ben Israel starts some sinning, and, and they have a downward spiral, and then 40 years in the desert, etc. But, so let's do this Parsha. Very quickly, the recap, we have the Chanukah and Mishkan, very dramatic, Korbanos, Aaron performing Korbanos, Aaron blesses the people, fire comes down from Hashem and consumes their Korbanos, and the people see, and they sing, and they fall on their faces, right, and very, it's very... Very impressive. And then the celebration gets marred by the deaths of Nadav and Aviu. Nadav and Aviu, two sons of Aaron. Pazik says that they brought Ketoras that Hashem did not command. And Hashem killed them the same, with the same fire that came down and consumed the Korbanos. Uh, Moshe consoles Aaron. Uh, there are some halachas against uh, drinking in the Mishkan. Uh, and then we transition right out of that, uh, that story to halachas of Kashrus. And that's basically... The end of the parsha. The Hilchos Kashrus appears two places in the Chumash. This is one of them. Uh, the Kashrus of animals, fish, birds, insects, etc. We talk a little bit about the Tumah uh, of dead animals, uh, of Shratzim, of animals that are not shafted properly, right? And that's pretty much the end of the parsha. So, okay, so just a couple ideas, like you know, it's a, it's a, it is Erev Shabbos, uh, and there is a short turnaround, but just a couple a couple of important ideas. Everybody knows, right? That the speaking about uh, Kashrus, Kashrus at the end of the parsha, and then we'll circle back to Nadav and Evihu. Uh, for a little bit. Everyone knows that the most, the paradigmatic trafe animal, right? if anybody would ask you, what is the quote-unquote most trafe animal, even though that's not a thing, but what is the most trafe animal, obviously everybody knee-jerks, the pig. And the question is, wh why is that? Why is that? Is that really, is it really only because pig is so widely eaten, let's say in America, um, you know, throughout the world, pig is not as, as eaten as it is in America. Okay, maybe that's the answer. Um, but I feel like it, there's more there. There's more here, right? What, what makes a pig more treif than, you know, a camel or a rabbit, you know, those animals that are listed in the Torah, or a lobster or a shark or whatever? So, again, you know, I don't think, I don't, I, I'm not convinced by the commonality thing. There are plenty of seafood restaurants that serve all sorts of disgusting stuff, um, and nobody even thinks that I'd give that a second thought. Uh, along those lines, why does the Torah list the four trafe animals, right? Just to explain, by, by fish, right, it said, what's the, what's the simonim of kashas of a fish? Fins and scales. Boom, that's it, finish the end. No list, no list of which ones have one of them, which ones have both, neither of them. There's no list, that's it. It says fin, fins, scales, model tov, do the work on your own, right, inspect it for yourself. By animals, though, it says, again, you have to chew, what are the two signs by an animal, right, it has to have split hooves. And chew its cud, and then the Torah lists off the four animals where you have one but not the other. Right? Why does it do that? And finally, just the, the Orachayim brings a measure, so we don't actually have 
but or Chaim Zer Chaim, so we'll trust him. Right, that the pasuk calls a pig treif, and it says again, it says the pasuk says, "Keep mafris part." What are the animals that that is listed? Right, as 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 you probably know, right, the four animals that are listed that are having one simon, not the other, is camel, two types of rabbits, and a pig. And the pasuk says, "By the pig, ki mafris parsahu fishesa." It has split hooves. But it doesn't chew its cut. Says the Orachayim, the Torah says key. It's treif because it has split hooves but doesn't chew its cut. Therefore, if it would chew its cut, it would be kosher. Obviously, well, that's the assumption because then it would have both simonim. So says the Orachayim, in the times of Mashiach, the pig is going to turn out and it's going to be kosher. Lost the level, the pig will be choser and it will chew its cud and it will be kosher. So what what is what's going on with this with this orchayim and this medrash and whatever? Is it literal? Is it metaphoric? I don't know. But what's the but what's the, what's the message that he's trying to get across? So the medrash in Vaikaraba explains drush that each of the trafe animals represents a gullus. Right, the camel is bavel. The rabbi, the rabbit is madai. Right, the hare is grease, or maybe vice versa. I'm not sure. Whatever, however you translate the rabbits over there. Right, and the pig is either Persian or Edom. But the Medrashim told us in Brachas, in Vaikarabba, right, in Brachas, Rabba says that the pig is Golos Edom. Right, that's again, that's that's the Golos we're in right now. What is the connection between Esav, right, and an Edom, right, Esav who Edom, right, and the pig? So we know that Rashi quotes, right, the Medrashim told us that pretty well known that Vayehav Yitzchak es Esav kitzayid befiv that Yitzchak loved Esau because Tzayid Befiv. And Rashi says two po- couple of possibilities, but one of them is that Esau used to try and trap Yitzchak with his mouth, right? He Tzayid Befiv. He used to trap Yitzchak with his mouth. And he asked him Shailas, like, does salt need Trumas and Maestros? Do you need to take Trumas and Maestros from, from straw? And we, all, we also know that Rashi writes that Esau would trap women, right, his entire life. That's another meaning. Uh, uh, elsewhere, right, that Esau uh, was a trapper, i.e. trapper of women. But when he hit 40, Right, he decided to settle down and get married because that's what Yitzchak did, and he wanted to do like his father. So Esav was basically a con artist. Right, he pretended to be from, but really he was a tremendous Russia. Really, he was obviously a liar, right, a faker. He's trying to pull the wool over Yitzchak's eyes. He, he, told, he got married at the same age as him. He asked him, Shaila's like, do you need to take Chumas uh, and from things that you don't? Okay. So he pretended to be from, right, he presented himself as kosher, but really he was anything but. And that's exactly what the pig is like. Right, Rashi again brings this, this medrash that Esav is compared to a pig because a pig sticks his hooves out and says hi look at me right i'm kosher he's kosher on the outside but he's completely trafe on the inside and the gemara already gemara says in yuma daft right he already explains how bad that meter is right there the gemara talks about the gullus and the destruction of the basement like and the sins right that caused them and one of the comments there is rabbi Ochan and rabbi Laza. they both say that the first destruction Right, that shenizgala avunasan is the lashon of the Gemara, but it basically means that its sin was revealed. So, so too the end of its gullus was revealed. That's a reference to the pasuk in Yirmiyo, right? That uh, that says that the first gullus was going to be seventy years, and the Gemara Megillah explains that all the kings of Bavel right, would calculate seventy years from when they thought that started, and then when that came and went, they threw a party. Right? That's what Belshazzar, uh, that's Nebuchadnezzar was doing at the beginning of the, of the Purim Seder uh, story. Story. So I'm holding the seder. Okay. Anyway, so that, that, that the first gallows was nisgala. The, the first destruction of the first temple was nisgala avunasam, and therefore, right people, the sin was revealed, and therefore, the gallows, the end of the gallows was revealed. The second gallows 
right? As we know, right? We're still in it, right? The sin shalom is gala ovamnosan. The sin was not revealed, and the end of the golos was not, also not revealed with him, not also not revealed to us. Uh, and I heard from Raveli Belzan, right? One of the Roshivin at YU nowadays, right? He was the same age as me. I wasn't. We're not really chaverim, but. We overlapped kind of in, in YU and Smicha and Eretz Yisrael, etc. So he pointed out that the Pshat in the Gemara is not that we know what the sin of the first base on Mikdash was and we don't know what the sin of the second base on Mikdash is. Right? That's what it seems like, right? It seems like you read that, that Gemara and you're like, oh, the, we knew what the sin was for the first temple, but we didn't know what the sin was for the second temple. And therefore, right, we, on the one hand, we, the first Galdus was revealed to us, the second was not. We know what the, the Chatoim were for the first and second temple, right? You're probably saying to yourself right now, the first base on Mikdash was destroyed for the big three, Gilu, Arayos, Shrikhazdam, and, and Avodazara, right? Murder, adol, adol, adultery, and idolatry. And the second one is destroyed for Sinos Chinam. Right again, you've heard this many times, right? Around uh, three weeks' time, uh, Tishabav, etc. But rather, that's not the Pshat of the Gemara. The, the Gemara means is how, is what, how Rashi explains. Right? That the people in the first base of Mikdash didn't hide their sins. Right? They were open about it. People knew of these sins. By, but by the second base of Mikdash, right, people kept their sins hidden. And they were outwardly righteous, and yet they harbored right, these, this, this, uh, these Averis in their hearts. And that's the danger that we all face. That's the danger that we all face today, and nowadays, and for always, because we're all fake at some point, right? We cover our sins. We're more afraid of humanity than Akash Baruch Hu to a certain extent, extent, right? Because we we are have no problem doing these averos in private, but we'd absolutely never do it in public, and that shows us that we you know, fear humans more than we fear Akash Baruch Hu in a sense. And this is how Esav works, right? This is the duality, right, of right? This is the difficulty of this gullus. And on one hand, there's Esav, of, there's clear and present danger. On the other hand, there's achi. There's things that seems to be, right, totally fine. Right? Think that Esau seems to be our brother. Right? This gullus, this culture that we're stuck in. Right? Sometimes the enemy acts like our enemy, and we have to fight him head on, and that's easy, and that's clear. Other times, the enemy sticks out his hooves and says, hey, look at me, I'm kosher. Yet, inside, it's so completely trafe. Right? This has so many ramifications nowadays. I, get, I, I don't want not to rip on anybody uh, I don't just but I just something that stuck in my head. I saw a tweet over Yomtif over Pesach from Rabari Leibowitz, who's a rov in uh, North Woodmere. Uh, gives a tremendous stuff Yomi share if you're interested. Um, and he said this tweet just stuck with me because it's so jarring and and, and it, it literally is this point. This is exactly this is exact point. He said that he spoke to someone. Leibowitz said he spoke to someone who organizes Pesach programs. Yeah, I'm not ripping on anybody who goes to a Pesach program. If you go to a Pesach program, have a great time, right? Enjoy, you know, be be simcha and be befa- enjoy your, the umtiv, be with your family, etc. Wonderful. He said he spoke to someone who organizes Pesach programs, and that someone said that in his estimation, not Rabbi Leibowitz's, but in his estimation, this guy who works at Pesach programs, he thinks that 80% of the programs are kosher, and 50% of them are kosher for Pesach, which is wild. Obviously, wild and an insane stat. And Rabbi Leibowitz just, you know, the second tweet in that, and the thread was basically that you wouldn't believe the shilos that he gets from people on these programs. Now, again, I understand why people go on these programs. Wonderful. Yeah, fantastic. 
But you have to be careful, right? Again, you, have, you can rationalize anything. Well, there was an ad for it in the Jewish week, so I, it must be 100% kosher. Well, <laughs> apparently not. Apparently, some of these Pesach programs are sticking their hooves out to say, hey, look at me, I'm kosher, when on the inside it's 100% trafe. And again, this is what we do all the time. Right? We rationalize all the time. Right? We, we can rationalize, you know, sitting by a, well, we're going to go to a Pesach program because it says it's kosher. You can sit by a pool during mixed swimming because, okay, my family's there. Or you can rationalize some gardening on Shabbos because it's relaxing and it helps your own next Shabbos. Well, really, you're being Mechal Shabbos Daraisa. You can rationalize going on a Pesach program if there's 50% chance that it'll be kosher for Pesach because, you know, your family needs a break, etc. Sometimes the pig is sticking its feet out and saying, look at me. I'm kosher, and really it's totally treif. And that's why the pig is a symbol of treif, because it lies to us, right? This is why the, in the future, right, again, what the Orochai means is that when Mashiach comes, right, the pig will change to being kosher. I don't know if he means literally, but figuratively, there will be no more lies, right? When in, when there's such a gilu shechina, when Mashiach is here, in the time where we all recognize the Gosh Baruch Hu, there's no fake, you, can't, you don't have room for that. I mean, it's just a world of emes. And all of us will recognize our creator, so too. If you take it literally, so too the pig will. But it won't be able to stick out its hooves and pretend, and we won't have any more right, fakery uh, in our in our avodas Hashem. And again, Mitzvah Hashem, we should be zochah to get there before uh, Mashiach comes, right, and and uh, do everything, uh, you know, emeslamito. Along the same lines, again, this is parsha, right? We talk about Nadav and Avihu, right? Two of the oldest. Uh, were the two eldest sons of Aaron Cohen, and the Torah tells us right, what happened. What happened to Nadav and Avihu? So there's a big machlokas right in the in the Rishonim exactly what their avera was. Uh, but just to work on the pasuk, pasuk says Vayichu bnei Aaron Nadav and Avihu ishmachta. So right, they both of them took their fire pans. they put on fire. and they put on ketores. and they brought it before Hashem. Now that seems fine. Right? Again, the ketores was offered in the base of Mikdash every single day, right? But the puzzle continues. Right, that they brought before Hashem a strange, a czar, a, a an alien fire, however you translate that, right? that Hashem had not commanded them. What was so bad? Again, just using, just straight up in the puzzle, right? Some want to say, for example, that they were drunk. That's why the halachos of not drinking, all doing a vote be something. This is right after this story. Okay. Well, some want to tie back their avera back to my Mother Sinai, where they saw Kosh Baruch Hu, and they... They ate and they drank, and, and that wasn't appropriate. Okay, the machlokas, whether that was appropriate or not. Okay, but just straight up puzzle. What was the problem with them offering the katoris? And what was so bad about their, that they had to die on the spot? So the clue, right, I, again, just reading the psukim, right, the Torah says very clearly, right, they brought an ish zarah, right, ish zarah, they brought a, a, a foreign fire. Now, what's so bad about that? We do we do things all the time, right? It seems like they thought that during all of this Chanukah Samishkan Halabalu, they should bring their own fire, and they thought that that would be a, a nice gesture, right? There's a concept of a korban nadava. You can you can offer a, a korban ola whenever you want. So they thought that bringing the katores was a good idea. The problem was, what is so bad about that? What is so bad about that? So the pasuk says straight up, and again we've discussed this in the past. I'm not going to belabor the point. The Puzzik says straight up, Ish Zorah, what defined it as an Ish Zorah, an alien fire, something that was not you know, appropriate? Asher Lotziva Osam. Right? That Hashem had not commanded them to bring it. Meaning they came up with this idea on their own volition. Right? Why is it different than a Korban Ola that a person's allowed to bring? 
because a person's allowed to bring a korban ola. The Torah says you can bring a shlamim, you can bring an ola whenever you want. It does not say you can bring a Torah whenever you want. Right? They came up with this avoda on their own. And this kind of brings us back to the thing again, what we've discussed. What is the difference between, just to use the language of the Pazak, an ish kodesh or an ish zara? Or, just to use phrases you're more familiar with, what is the difference between an avoda zara and an avoda sashem? Puzzle says very clearly, right? Anything that's not commanded by Kash Baruch Hu, that's the simple criteria. Right? If it's man conce- conceived, if man has conceived of the Avoda and there's no source in Chazal or Torah or whatever, so then it's Avodah Zara. Right? Another one of you thought it'd be great if they brought extra Torah. Well, that's clearly not what Hashem wanted. Right, and for that worship of Vodazara, right, they they were again tremendous tzaddikim by all by many many accounts. And Kosh Baruch Hu punished them, you know, according to the severity of their crime, and and he killed them on the spot. This is, for example, the difference between the story of Korach as well. Aaron brought Ketores along with two hundred and fifty other Jews. Right, what that was part. Moshe says everybody brings their Ketores. Aaron's going to be there too. Who? What happened? So Aaron was remained totally unscathed, and everybody else died. Why? Because Hashem said, I want Aaron to bring me Ketoris every single day, not anybody else. And that was requested by Gosh Baruch Hu, and the others were not, even though it was the exact same service. And that's also super important to focus on Naravodas Hashem. Are we coming up with extra Chumras or extra Kulas, extra stringencies, extra leniencies? Right? When your religious performance, is it is it a function of your own self-serving desires and motivations, or is it a product of what a Kosh Baruch Hu wants? If a person tar- decides to take on an extra chumra, for example, they want to, I don't know, not eat, not not drink Chal uh, I don't know, some would argue that's not a chumra, okay, whatever. Uh, let's say the person's whole life, they relied on Moshe Feinstein, they, they drank Chal of and now they want to keep Chal Okay, very nice. Why are you doing that? Is that because you've researched the halacha and you think that that's the appropriate course to, of action to take? Is that what a coach boy who wants from you? Or is it because that's what all the everybody else is doing and you want to look from? Right? When you when you you know and that's you'll be proud to say, oh, I only use Khalavi Saul, etc. A person has to figure out their motivations, right? Not only that, and a person has to figure out if what they're taking upon themselves is real, right? If you take a, a fake Khumra, that's even worse, right? Obviously that's already comparable to another Venavio and stuff like that. And obviously, a, a fake kula, right? You know, the famous phrase of "I don't hold of that," right? That's also not a legit. Right? A person has to has to figure out their motivations. Are they being fake? Are they really just serving themselves, or are they serving Kodesh Baruch Hu? That's talking the difference between a Zara and a Vodas Hashem. Um, sometimes, put simply, right, it, it causes a person to kind of like wake up and, and realize a couple of things. All right, just to, to finish off, um, I, ironically enough, I found uh, this short Vartora that I wrote. Um, literally 20 years ago, in 2003, uh, in the YU, uh, in a YU publication called Enayim uh, LaTorah. Uh, I guess, I see just reading the bottom of it, again, I have a PDF of it, so I see the bottom of it, like all the executive directors were, were friends with me, so I guess they taught me to, to write the Vartorah. Um, but unfortunately, it's, it's very relevant nowadays as well, because back then it was a difficult time, it was Intifada time, um, and uh, Second Intifada, uh, or for just finishing up, or whatever, uh, and Nowadays, unfortunately, also, uh, we have you know, had losses in Am Yisrael, maybe not on the level of the Second Intifada, but uh, every every Jew, every Neshama is a loss, is a serious loss that needs to be felt. Um, and uh, we have to deal, we have to, let's talk about that for a second. So, again, by Parsha Shemini puts our own Hakohen and his greatness on display. 
Right? Uh, there are two two examples. One perhaps you're, is pretty famous, Vaidom Aharon, but we'll get to that in a second. The first example is uh, earlier in the tar- in the in the parsha, Vayomer Moshe Aharon Kravel Hamizbeach. Right, it's the, right, the very beginning of the parsha. Right, come close to the Mizbeach. Right, come close to the to the Mizbeach to bring the korbanos for the Chanukah Zameshkan. Why did Aaron, Moshe have to, have to call Aaron to come near the Mizbeach? Aaron, you're the Kohen Gadol. Why, why did Moshe have to call him over? So we showed him a quick to point out Aaron's Anova, right? Not only Moshe. Moshe was obviously Ishanov. No one was more humble than Anov than Moshe. But Aaron himself was also extremely humble, right? Both Rashi and the Baal Torah, right? That Aaron was embarrassed to bring the Korbanos for the Chanukah San Mishkan. Right, Aaron was supposed to atone for the entire nation with these korbanos. Right, as the pasuk says, right, right, without using fancy Torah that the Mishkan was a kapara for the chedegel, etc. Just the pasuk says, right. Aaron felt that it wasn't he wasn't righteous enough. Right, the Ramban points out that Aaron was afraid that because he had participated in the chedegel and the kapara would not be complete. So Moshe had to call him out and say, no, the Right, that you you are. This is what you have been chosen for. So you see, Aaron's godless over there. A second, perhaps a better example. Again, as we mentioned, is Vayidom Aaron. Right, when Nadav and died, right, Aaron, right, Moshe told him, right, and Aaron Vayidom Aaron. Aaron fell silent. And the Rashbam writes that Aaron com- completed his avelus when Moshe comforted him, and he said Vayidom Aaron that he, for whatever reason, he had, somehow he had completed his kiyu. He had been mekayim the entire. Halachas of Avelus. The Aaron had displayed astonishing avodas Hashem by right, putting aside his own personal feelings for for Akash Baruch Hu, and, and and he was quiet. And he didn't say anything. What aided Aaron in ceasing this right in finishing his Avelus, Basically, so, so this forum explains that Aaron was comforted by the fact that another Venavio died al Kesh Hashem. And even though Aaron had tragically lost his two sons, still he, again when Hashem's judgment is absolute, right against. Sadiqim and they perish on the spot, right in the base of Mikdash. Again, doing something that again we talk about what they did wrong, but again, obviously it wasn't something that uh, obviously they were still great Sadiqim. And Akash Baruch when he judges out, right, Midas Hadid on great Sadiqim, his shame, uh, Hashem's name is uh, is great, and we know that's that's a call to Kiddush Hashem. And Akash Baruch right acts within. You know, Midas had done a hair's breadth with his tzaddikim. Even though Aaron had passed away, had had lost two sons that had passed away, but he was still comforted by the fact that there was a Kiddush Hashem uh, in their deaths. And nowadays, we have to, that's what we have nowadays. That, that perhaps we can take a nechama, that even though we are unfortunately losing tremendous, beautiful Jewish neshamas, so they are dying out Kiddush Hashem, uh, certainly uh, in the highest way. Uh, that uh, of 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 dying, right? That I, Akiva, Akiva, uh, Rabbi Akiva wanted to die al Kiddush Hashem, and he was hard to say it, hard to even understand that. But he was excited to die al Kiddush Hashem. Um, may we all be zocha and be comforted, like Aaron was comforted, comforted, and may we be zocha, right, to see the Mashiach Zikeno that we won't need to be comforted anymore. Bimher uh, Amen. Have a tremendous, tremendous Shabbos.